On today's episode, a pair of Chris's. Siri gives useless hints and how social media shapes how we communicate. It's episode 17 of Magnificent. As always, I'm Ian Fuchs, and this week, not only am I joined by Chris, MacTrass.com senior editor, the Hauk of the Chris's, but I'm also joined by writer of many things on the internet, including things at Huffington Post, MacTrass.com, and the MacWizard.com, Mr. Chris Roshnot. Hey guys. Hey, how Hello. you doing, man? Welcome back, Mr. Roshnot. Thank you for having me once again, sir. Always appreciate your input on all the important things. <laughs> and Mr. Hauk. Yeah, you don't, have to, to you. you don't have to welcome me back. I think I'm contractually obligated to come back every week, so if you don't there, have to welcome me. If there were a contractual obligation to be contracted. That's an oral agreement, but that's not worth the papers written on, so. So uh, how have things been going uh, out in Las Vegas, Chris? Uh, it's been very hot, as you can imagine. Summer hopefully is winding down soon. And uh, tomorrow I'm on my way to Canada for a few days with the Ford Motor Company. Oh, that would be a nice change. What are you doing up there? We're what's, driving what's from forward? Calgary to Kamloops on Highway 1, and we'll be stopping along the way in Revelstoke and taking pictures and just documenting the trip with their new Ford Platinum Edition Explorer. And this is just a, a fun trip you get to take? Is it uh, for some for your, one of your travel writings? Uh, one of the travel writings, yes. I would love to go to Canada. So we're we're pretty excited. I went to Toronto in 2012, that just on my own, and loved it a lot. So when this opportunity came up, I said for sure, let's do it. Very nice, Mister Hauk. How has your uh, last week been? Oh, pretty standard. Just uh, you know, trying to keep up with everything. One man show, but. Uh... Luckily, I got people like uh, Mr. Christopher R. there helping me out, and Mr. Ian Fuchs helping me out. Who's that? I've heard of him. Yeah, he hangs out in Chicago a lot. I don't know. uh, But yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun stuff happening in the world. So it's fun to try to follow and keep up. How's everything in Chicago, sir? Uh, Everything here's. It's good. The last, like, two weeks for us have been very cool, like, fall weather, and I was loving it, and then today it decided that it was ready to be hot again, <laughs> and we hit nearly 90, and we're supposed to be near 90 all week. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm, I'm ready for fall to be here. If we could just have, like, a month of summer weather that was just, like, a straight month of the nice warm summer weather, and then back into fall, I would be happy with it, instead of this roller coaster of a summer we've had. So it's Yeah, it's I think it's been hot pretty much all over. It's been hot and really wet here in Tennessee. It's like rains at least every other day. It it seems like Vegas has had the record heat wave of yesteryear this year. June was we tied for the most days above 105 it was over 20 days wow so uh, scorcher and then we get the monsoon weather which i love so we get lightning and thunder and crazy rainstorms so brings it down a couple degrees for a few days and then back up again yeah i used to live in arizona so i know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. very exciting the vegas weathers all i remember about vegas weather is that it rains for like five minutes 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, clouds come in and all of a sudden it just like dumps buckets of rain for like five minutes and then... But then all the streets flood. Yes. Oh. That That is one thing I've noticed about any major city and especially Chicago is that it seems like, you know, it sprinkles for 30 seconds and everyone forgets how to drive and all the streets flood. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's really bad here when it rains. Uh, if we get an inch of rain, you see news stories on the Vegas Strip of these places getting flooded and cars just flipping over. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. You really have to be careful here. Yeah, I remember when I first visited Vegas, I'd see these uh, billboards. Don't drive through standing water. Yes. The standing water in Las Vegas. What the hell? And then I had a, they had a, like a half-hour rainstorm, and everything was flooded. Uh, okay, now I get it. Thanks for the warning. Wow. Wow, wow. The weird things of weather. <laughs> so should we jump into a an actual topic of the show? Yes, well, please. If you insist. Instead of talking about the weather. We, we can do a show on that, too, if you guys want. <laughs> and weather apps. Uh, and weather. There you go. Perfect. We can, and we can weather tech. It. Yeah, I did a whole article about that, actually. Um, but yeah, news as of today... Well, Monday, for those listening, not today. Um, Android Wear devices, which is like the Android equivalent of smartwatches, Apple Watch, whatever, uh, are now compatible with iOS, kind of. Correct? Kind yeah, of. Yeah, they... they uh, limited functionality. Yeah, as far as I can... As far as I've been able to tell, it... Uh... You can get notifications, uh, Google Now cards on the watch, different watch faces. Uh, those those are limited because some of them have app capabilities that won't run on the on sure. iOS. The um, fitness stuff. I saw that the fitness stuff fitness obviously because that most of that tracks on the watch and then it's just syncing back into Google. That makes sense. I'm pretty excited for it. I have a. First-generation Moto 360, uh, thanks to Motorola, and it looks like their second version, there's been some uh, spy shots in Chicago, because that's where Motorola is located. So you might even see one around town there, Ian. How would I know? The crown on the original Moto 360 Mm -hmm. is at the 3 o'clock mark. Okay. And the crown on the second-generation is at the 1 or 2 o'clock mark. Wow, that's awfully close to somebody's wrist. So start staring at everybody's wrists <laughs> I, and think of excuses. I, I will say, in my my time as a smartwatch wearer, which goes back to last fall when I got my Pebble, I have only, in the wild around Chicago, seen maybe five or six smartwatches of any variety excluding apple store employees in the apple store after the watch came out okay so i i don't see a lot of it i i have a guy that i work with that wears the lg uh g watch urbane that fancy one yes he wears one of those and i know like two people that wear pebbles or have seen people that wear pebbles and then myself and my wife both with our apple watches but i rarely see it so Maybe I'm just not paying attention to people's wrists, which I think is probably the the case. Um, I see quite a few Apple Watches in Vegas. Do you? 
Yeah, I think it's just the market here. And, you know, we get visitors from all over, and those visitors tend to have more money, so they'll probably have the newest tech as sure. well. So that's probably why I see more Apple Watches than anything here. But I get stopped in the grocery store. People talk to me about my my watch. Have you had that happen? I've had a couple people stop me. Um, and I notice it, uh, like especially at the grocery store, because with Apple Pay, I'm using my watch whenever I can. Nice. And so, you know, like Whole Foods or whatever, I'm I'm checking out and somebody's like, that was cool. What did you just do? I'm like, oh, I just paid with my watch. And they're like, oh, that's so awesome. I was at the pet store the other day getting dog food. And this kid had this giant Samsung watch. And he's like, what does your Apple Watch do? And so I was kind of trying to show him, you know, this is this is some things it does versus things it doesn't do yet. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. My My watch doesn't do that. It basically just gets text messages. I was like, well, why did you spend two hundred dollars on it? The pebble was half the price. <laughs> so, well, it's all about the ecosystem, and now finally, Motorola and Google have broken through that uh, ecosystem wall. So, you know, day one, it's pretty good functionality. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's at least as good as the pebble, which you know, I know Chris, uh, Mister Hauk, is a pebble wearer. I am still. Yep, I still have the pebble. Haven't uh, sprung for an Apple Watch yet. I, I still get you know people like what's that on your wrist you know and a lot of people a lot of people ask is that the Apple Watch and you just say yes yes of course you have as far as you know yes it is <laughs> if you can't tell the difference then yes this is in fact an Apple Watch yes well I go as far back as the Square iPod which I wore as a watch I got a a watch band for it and everything oh, yeah. I have one sitting right here on my desk oh yeah so I, I like that idea that was cool. I actually started wearing that as soon as they said the Apple Watch uh, announced the Apple Watch last fall. I I switched to wearing my iPod again on my watch band just to screw with people. Well, no, occasionally just because when you compare the size, and looking at it right now, the size of that compared to the Apple Watch, the forty-two millimeter, is very close. Oh, so for is. me, for me, it was a matter of what does the screen size feel like as a watch? Is it comfortable? Can I wear this at the gym and? I ended up liking it, so. If only it had Bluetooth. Exactly. That was all it was missing. Because then it could really be a watch to do simple notifications. That's all I really wanted it for anyway. For me, it was notifications and the fitness stuff. The rest of it was all just extra. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with with Android Wear, now it's compatible with iOS. According to Google, only... One watch is compatible, although reports online are that numerous other watches are compatible, just not promoted as being compatible. So it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, we had someone uh, leave a comment on MacTress that he'd paired his gear, Samsung Gear Live to the iPhone, and it worked great. Nice. So, Is that the Samsung Gear Live, does that have the phone included, or is that the watch only? That's just the watch. I think it runs a little under 200 on Amazon. Well, if Apple ever decides to play nice with their APIs, maybe we'll get some more functionality. And uh, what's great about the Moto 360, they dropped the price mm, a couple weeks ago, so now you can get one in the store, like at Best Buy, for instance, for 149 Oh, nice. 
you think that's going to, if they do officially expand other to a lot of the Android Wear devices, do you guys think that that might give them a little edge this Christmas um, as far as getting sales from somebody that might usually buy an Apple Watch? Maybe if you pick up one for half the price of the Apple Watch. Uh, Well, some people are price conscious, but other people like the ecosystem to be the same. So a store associate will say, oh, you're getting a iPhone. Why don't you buy the watch now, too? So I think there'll be a lot of that sales going on in the store as an upsell opportunity. But uh, employees at Best Buy might try to say, hey, did you know that these watches are not compatible? You have very different Best Buy employees than the ones I've dealt with, if they're suggesting that. (laughs) I'm trying to be on the positive side. I, I know. And and if anybody listening is a Best Buy employee, props to you if you knew that. Um, <laughs> if you need a great sales tactic and the, the Apple Watch isn't selling, here's another alternative. You're welcome. So, with that, um, other news in Apple land. Um, Apple's got a couple programs that it looks like they're making some changes to. Uh, one of those programs is the one-to-one program which provides basically in-store genius one-on-one training uh, for customers who recently bought a Mac or just bought a Mac uh, for a one-time fee. They get a year of one-on-one training on how to use their new Mac or their other Apple devices, and it looks like that is coming to an end at the end of the month. I shouldn't say it looks like. It is. It's confirmed. Any idea if they're going to replace the program after September 28th? They're going to concentrate on group training. Um, they're making changes. I can't. They're they're dividing their training up into three groups, and I can't remember the names of the groups. But they're going to uh, concentrate on just because they've always had free group training sessions where you come in for an hour and you and five or six other people would sit and they would teach you about the apps or how to use your iPhone or how to use uh, pages or numbers and things like that, uh, or how to make your own movie. Uh, but they've, uh, the one-to-one program, they had always specialized on just you and one of the creatives sitting down and they would actually help you with projects and everything else. If you had a specific project you want to do, you want to take all your old movies and put them into a video and share with everybody, they would work with you on doing that. Or they would just show you how to turn on the computer and load the browser if that's what you needed. This might be a good time for those Apple professionals that work with uh, referrals from the Apple store to uh, kick in their services, it seems like. So that should be a nice boon to their business. Right, yeah, they should step up and uh, start promoting that. There has to be a certain amount of this that's, like you were saying, they're focusing on the group training. has to be a certain amount of this that's to simplify the process of training. Because we, you know, we were talking before the show and you said people would bring in an iMac. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine the hassle of packing up your iMac. I mean, I, I look at my desk and I'm like, I don't even like packing up my MacBook charger because I have to unplug it and I, I feed the cable up the back of the desk because it looks cleaner. Mm-hmm. Imagine unpacking and packing your iMac you know, once a week or however often you're going in. It seems way easier to go in, do a group training. They have those little tables set up with four or six computers on it. Right. 
you go up to one of them, you use it, you learn how the program works, you go home, you apply the knowledge. Well, from what I've been seeing over the years of watching people in an Apple store, you know, because I go in there and check out the new gear and see uh, see what's going on, I think people leave their computers in the boxes, at least the ones that I've seen, and bring it in once a week and use it only at the Apple store. You think so? I think so. And they don't even use it at home? Right. That's a possibility because when I worked at the Apple store, I would see, like we were talking off the air, one uh, older lady would bring her iMac in every week in the box, and I would help her into the store with it, unpack it for her, get it set up, plug everything in, reverse the process at the end of the hour when it was time for her to leave. Um, So it's possible that they do that. I I suppose it depends on the generation of person that's using the computer. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a really expensive toy to only use once a week or when you bring it into the store. Now, granted, maybe they're, uh, and, and again, the, the Vegas market is very different you know, than other areas. Maybe they have a computer at home and a computer that is their take-to-the-store computer. Oh, that could be as well. I, I, would, I would think if that were the case, set the iMac up at home and get like a little MacBook to take with you to the store because portability but or a mac mini even or a mac mini yeah although then you have to have the display and then they have that whole fiasco no they, if they brought the mac mini and we had a display for them oh, okay because we had them on the displays on the tables oh well fair enough so well i i know a couple of people at least that will not be excited for that program to be ending but uh, who knows what they'll come up with after september 28th sounds like Apple's doing a lot of changes in September and some new announcements, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, the, the other program that I want to really quick touch on, and this is a program I don't know a lot about, um, but according to the show notes, Apple is to expand their Apple Camp summer program to year-round. Mr. Hauk? Right, yeah. I'm, I, I'm probably the reason that's in there. Okay, yeah, I put it in there. I'll admit, jeez. Um They've always had, during the summer, they've had these great little programs for kids to come in, and they would show them how to do videos. They would put together an entire video with either using their own content or Apple's content, show you how to use titling and everything else. It was like a one-week program at a time, and they had, uh, I'm trying to think, I think it covered video, it covered using apps like uh, GarageBand, you would do your own recordings, show you how to do your own podcasting like that. It was kind of like a one-week summer camp for kids uh, just to come in and learn all about how to use Apple and then Apple devices and, of course, go home and tell mom and dad I want an iMac or a Mac Pro or anything else that costs $3,000. So they've kind of like decided to extend that instead of just being the summer months they're going to do a year-round thing. I'd not even sure if they're going to keep the Apple Camp name for it, but they're going to have year-round programs where kids can come in and and, and learn the same things they did during the summer camps. Such a great idea. I remember using my first Mac in kindergarten, and now I'm a certified <laughs> professional. So there, there you go. go. It starts that addiction early. And I, I was the same way. My, my grandparents had, you know, the old, uh, what was that ugly blue color iMac? Bondi? Yeah. They had one of those. They had the Bondi Blue iMac, and they had uh, one of those goofy eMac, where it was the th- 
the weird mm-hmm. like pre iMac display on an arm thing. Yeah. They had one of those and they had an old like Mac Classic or something, Apple II, something ridiculous forever ago <laughs> that I played games on and so yeah, you start that addiction as a kid early and you're just like, Hey, here's here's cool technology. Look at all the crazy things you can do with this. And as soon as kids get it in their hands, they they want more of it. So yeah, it's it's setting them up for that. And it also it's teaching them how to do different creative things, which is certainly cool. Um you know, I think back to middle school and learning how to edit video and I was so excited when I learned how to do it. I was like, I just have to have more of this. And it slowly evolved into going to college to do video and learning how to do audio editing. And now here I am with you guys on a podcast. And Sweet. Just been all downhill from there. Okay. It's just been a, a downward spiral. So yeah, it's it makes sense that they would continue to expand, do it year-round. Kids want to learn this stuff at all times of the year. It's like any other addiction. They give you that free taste. And then from now on, it, it costs you. But the kids get so much more cool technology. They get iPads and iPhones. And... Oh, don't don't complain. You were talking about you were five years old. You had the Apple. Was that what you? Oh Apple no, that too? was at school though. Yeah, but I mean, you had you had the computers in school. I'm I'm fifty six. I'm fifty six years old. We had uh, cutting edge technology. Was a ten inch black and white TV that weighed four hundred pounds. <laughs> So I mean, you know, radio was still reasonably new when I was in school. Sure. Or at least at least transistor radios that you carried around and put up to your ear. Yeah, you did so, your math homework on stone tablets. Well, we had abacuses. <laughs> also in the realm of kids and Apple technology, another program that Apple um announced and I could be totally wrong on this, but my understanding of it is it is a program that the government is pushing and Apple is partnering with. And it is called Connect Ed. So when you read it, it looks like it says connected. Get it? But the ED is capitalized. Um, and the idea is to provide technology to students in schools that can't afford to provide the technology to the students. And um, basically the, the start of this was um, Tim Cook was on Good Morning America last week. He was at a school in Alabama and basically said, here's, you know, we're outfitting this school with Macs and iPads so all the students have access to this stuff because technology helps them learn better and makes them smarter or something. And it, at the same time, establishes this at, if you're an eight-year-old and you're using an iPad and then you grow up, you're going to want to continue to use Apple products because you've been using them since you were eight or five or however old it is. So you create that Apple lifestyle for these kids and, and make lifelong Apple users out of it. Right. As I understand it, uh, that um, each, each school that's involved in it, each student gets an iPad or has access to iPads. Right. The administrators and teachers get both MacBooks and iPads, and then they have Apple TVs in every classroom. So they're definitely getting exposed very nicely to the Apple. That is so great. It's so great. I learned on Apple in school. I presented with Apple products in school. So if you can put a presentation together on your iPad during lunch and then show it in class for whatever reason, that's awesome. Right. 
at one well, and like you said it's you, you build that that initial impression and like I, I can't think of another system that's that convenient that you can build something like you said on an iPad over lunch and then present it to the class short of like when I was a kid we used to get our you know poster board stuff and it was like over lunch we have like a box of markers and we're trying to like quickly cover color in a graph or right illustrate something it's it's the future version of that only it looks much less like you put it together over lunch yeah, do it on your ipad bring it in show it on the apple tv in the classroom there you go yeah. you can even do video on your personal iphone you know beam it into your ipad edit it mm-hmm. with That's imovie true. and then show it uh the same day yeah and that was one of the things in this this good morning america piece which i will have a link to in the show notes uh along with all these other things we're talking about today um one of the things they they talked about was uh these kids were learning how to do video by doing a fake news broadcast where they were shooting video with the ipads and then editing it together and shooting little news stories and the idea that now they're learning about current events but they're doing it with technology in a fun way and in in some of these these areas, you know, the idea of having a tablet at all is hard to fathom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So having all these kids with access to this is kind of just groundbreaking for the whole area. So very cool and good PR for Apple. Very oh, good yeah. PR for Apple. Yes, and they need the PR for uh, this in the education market because they're kind of a fiasco with the Los Angeles Department of Education with their iPad program. All right. They need to get back into the good PR side with education. Yeah, and education has always been a good niche for them. It kept them going quite a few years when they weren't able to get a, a foot into the enterprise and the business areas. Yeah. And and when they've had they've had different school related programs for a long time. And I know the town that I went to college in, small town in Iowa, Forest City, um, it was this huge deal, but they did a thing where all the middle schoolers got iPads and all the high schoolers got MacBooks, and it was a, a program through Apple where they were outfitting this, and the idea was that technology is important and these kids are going to go to college and need to learn how to use a computer and an iPad and all this stuff, so why not make it accessible to everybody, and I don't remember what that program was called, it wasn't this connected thing, connected but it was something along those lines. So the school paid a certain amount, got a discount rate on everything, and then became an entirely Apple school, which, again, lifelong Apple customers. I wish they had this program when I was in high school. I uh, helped co-write the technology grant for the high school I was at, and we couldn't look at Apple or Mac computers they just wouldn't work with us back in those years, the mm-hmm. late late 90s. And uh, so, unfortunately, we went Windows and another way. But uh, it would have been nice to have this program. Like we said, this is an area they've been in. But if they can continue to establish a strong foothold there, uh, I think other schools are going to start to take notice as well. And in theory, if they could get more and more schools to jump on board... Not only are you creating these Apple customers for life, but think of the market that Apple begins to take over. You know, right now, Apple is the only computer manufacturer to be moving upward in PC sales. 
while everybody else is losing ground. If they can come into a school and say, well, now all of these Windows machines that you have get to be bumped up to a Mac, that's just a whole another arena of computers that now are not Windows machines, so they're continuing to you know, chip away at that PC market share, the Windows market share. And in theory, if these kids start to like Apple and learn to like Apple, and they tell their parents about how easy it is and how they can do all these cool things, they continue to have a reason to sell Macs. And I think they realize, too, they have to interest or get the interest of children now in order to start building apps of the future. That's true, too. I didn't even think about it from a development standpoint. So if the kids are used to the UI now, they'll have that in their mind when they, say, in late high school, maybe early college, hey, let's make an app and continue that uh, the apps, the amount of apps that they have and the huge market share they have in the App Store. Sure. So other news of the past week uh, that, that doesn't involve Apple and teaching kids. Um, Apple sent out invites for what may or may not be a fantastically huge event. Hard to say. We'll have to find out. Uh, but the event that was rumored to take place on September 9th is now confirmed to take place on September 9th. And on the invite, the text, the main text of it, the invitation says, and I apologize to anyone listening in their car right now who has their iPhone plugged in, but it says, Hey Siri, give us a hint. So I'm looking at the invite right now, and there's five distinct colors on the left side, and there's three distinct colors on the right side. Oh man, you're getting way too into this. And one of those colors, <laughs> that, colors. one of those colors that correspond on both sides is pink. And as we've seen in other rumors, we've seen pink iPhones. Oh no! So Just I'm stop. thinking. <laughs> Just stop right there. I'm thinking <laughs> there will be pink iPhones. Oh, I hope you're wrong. Yeah, let's hope. And not only that, but uh, I'm thinking that's probably one of the colors as well they'll be using for the iPhone 6C that we've been hearing about. No, I, I'm totally fine if they're going to do plastic again. Yeah. I am totally fine with the pinkish, yellowish, whatever, you know, all these like pastel colors. Yeah, all those, you know, those pretty colors. I'm okay with that. But I do not want to see a pink metal aluminum phone. Rose gold? 100% fine with me. I think rose gold would look fantastic. I think the uh, LG um, Urbane comes in a rose gold. The Apple Watch comes in a rose gold. They look fantastic. If you could have a phone that would match that, perfect. I'd be all for it, too. If it's going to be like, you know, Susan G. Komen pink, <laughs> eh, I'm less okay with that. Not that I have a problem with Susan G. Komen. I don't know why I picked that. That was just the first thing I saw on the desk in front of me that was pink. Or you think of Avon? Avon pink. That Rose, would also... Rose is pink, yeah. Right, any, of, any, any shade of pink, I'm not okay with the aluminum. Well, you kind of have to ask yourself, what are the popular colors in Asia? And gold is definitely one of them, and that's why it's been such a hit worldwide. Sure. Um, so is pink a big color in Asia? If it is, then I would see it. Uh, red definitely is. So I would be more 
I think they put pink out there to confuse us in the, you know, tech reporting industry. But uh, I'd put my money on red if I were to, uh, if I were a betting man. I think somebody just got creative with their uh, Photoshop color correct or hue correct, and they went a little too far. I think they were shooting for a rose gold <laughs> color and just overshot it. Realistically, I think if we see a pink in the iPhone in the aluminum, there would almost have to be a blue and a green and a red and a yellow. Well, I guess gold could be yellow, but you might as well have multiple colors of the aluminum then. And, you know, Apple's not... They've done these things before with their products in multiple colors, like the iMac, so I wouldn't put it past them. Well, in the new... uh the new iPod touches, I think. If you look at those for inspiration for color, is there a pink? I think there is a pink. Could be. Apple.com slash iPod. I believe there's a pink and a blue. There is a pink. Oh, that's really pink. Whoa. Uh, so they have a blue, a space gray, a gold, a silver, and a pink. And then, and the, and product red. I, I would like a cobalt blue. The blue looks really nice. So if we see a pink iPhone, I can only imagine we would also see the blue iPhone and a red iPhone. And Project Red is important for Apple, so I could see that happening. I'm surprised there hasn't been a Project Red iPhone, I don't think, ever. Isn't that something they've always just stuck with on iPod? Have there been any other Project or Product Red? It, no, just just right. iPods. From the device standpoint, no. They've done all their cases, have had the... Like they had the leather ca- leather smart cover for the iPad that was product red. They had a case for the iPhone five and five S, and I think they had one for the six and six plus that was the product red. Yeah, it's possible. Um, so I, I think from a case's standpoint, they've done the the red several times. But iPhone six case leather. They don't call. Oh, it is product. Yeah, product red. So yeah, they do have a a red case for it. So it wouldn't seem unreasonable to think that they could just make a red phone. And when you when it comes down to it, all you're doing now is anodizing aluminum. They're already doing it for the space gray and for the gold. What's the difference of another color or a couple colors? Other than maybe from the inventory aspect in the resellers. Alright, so Best Buy only stocks, you know, large quantities of the black, the silver, and the gold. Or whatever. Which is fine gives another reason to go into an Apple store sure. specifically. Well, and not to say that other stores couldn't carry those, but... They could yeah, be exclusives. That that gets to be a dangerous game to play, though, because I mean, we've talked about this before. You know, yeah, I can go a few miles in any direction and find an Apple store, but there are places where you have to go many, many miles for an Apple store. I suppose online... Even in a city the size of Indianapolis, there's only one Apple store in the entire town. Wow. So... Yeah, they could sell them online and say, well, if you want the colorful ones, get them here. I think it it comes down to, just like any other phone on the market right now, some of those fancy color ones, they just don't have as many in-store. So yeah, that you might go in to get a, a blue 6 Plus or 6S Plus, and they say, well, we only have the 6S Plus right now in silver and black, or space gray or whatever. And you say, okay, well, then I guess I'll go with space gray. Which always happens at launch. Oh, yeah. You can never get the color or size that you want. Exactly. I wanted a, a gold 6. My wife wanted a black 6+. plus. I ended up with a black 6, and she ended up with a gold 6. 
So that that's always the case. And obviously, yeah, once the demand starts to calm down, cool down a little bit, they can have whatever colors of whatever device. Well, I hope Apple comes up with rose gold and red. I, I've had blue. I'm, now that I'm looking at it, I really like it. And how about you, Chris? I'm more of a... I had a gold um, 5S, and I've got a... I think it's a space gray 6S, 6S Plus right now. I think it is. Hell, I've had it in a case so long. So you have a 6S Plus? A 6... Blah, blah. 6 Plus. There we go. I'm ready for a nap. Um, but I've had it in a case so long, I couldn't tell you what the color is of it. Is is the front of it black? It is, sir. Yeah, then it's a space gray. All right, there we go. I've got a space gray. And I was I was just going to say, that's that's the biggest reason that I've I've for every iPhone I've ever owned and every iPad I've ever owned, I've always gone with the space gray because I don't like the white bezel because it actually makes the screen look smaller. At least it, in in my perception of it, because you automatically have that white trim, it it feels just a little bit smaller. Whereas if you have the black, Hmm. so I'll I'll have to look at my wife's uh, six plus. She's got the white front. I never really thought to look at it like like that. Especially when the screen is off. The the black tends to make the screen look bigger. If if Apple's listening, let's do gold all around. Gold front, gold back. Let's just do it all gold. Gold screen. Gold screen. <laughs> just pure gold. Let's just yeah, make it out of gold. Just dip it in gold and gold send it out. Yeah. Now I and at, at one point I thought, why don't they do a black front on the gold phone? And then Samsung released a uh, gold phone with the black front. Mm-hmm. It made sense why Apple didn't. Thank you, Samsung. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that that was that was a total tangent on the Hey Siri, give us a hint. Sorry about that, people with the radios again. <laughs> one one of the things that has been kind of fun about it is that now you can ask Siri to give you a hint, and you say it just like that. Hey, lady, give us a hint, and she comes up with some pretty catchy things, uh, most of which revolve around. September 9th and saying, you know, something big is coming. Uh, but what I want to know from you guys is what do you think we're asking Siri to give us a hint about? Well, I'll just say colors of the iPhone since that's what their invite looks like and previous invites have had multiple colors and hey, what do you know? They introduce new products with new colors. So, I mean, they follow a pretty good track record of the invite matching the colors of what they're introducing. So you're going really simple, just colors. Yes. Mr. Hauk, what do you think? I know you have a whole theory about this. Uh, it was it's more involved it's more associated with the invite itself on, you know, the the way it looks. To me it looks like a finger pressing down like on force touch. So I think we're going to see the force touch. Apple doesn't do anything by chance or just on a whim. So, hey, Siri, give us a hint has some meaning that will become apparent on the ninth. Of course. But I've, you know, I've often been wrong before. Um, No kidding. And I will continue that in the future, (laughs) just in case you're keeping score uh, at home. Just keep that standard there. I I set it low, and then it's easy to meet, you know? There you go. It's, It's gotten me through four marriages, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking force touch. I'm thinking well, that's as far as I want to go right now. For me, I, I can't help but think that just the fact that we're specifically calling out Siri and asking her to do something implies 
something we don't know about yet that involves Siri. Do you think she's always going to be on, not just when she's plugged in? E- either a, 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 a more constant listening Siri, and we talked about this um, last week with the, the way the Amazon Echo works, where you can say, you know, uh, hey Alexa, or whatever it is, and she just chimes in and says, yep, what's up? Um, or with the Android phones and how you can, as long as your phone is unlocked, you can say, okay, Google, and it responds. And now you've activated every device on the planet. Uh, well, not every, but everyone who's listening. <laughs> you, 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 were, you were device agnostic, though. You covered all three platforms, so everyone got a taste. That's, that's great. I, I think I did, although I don't. Uh, I think I have to say Cortana. Oh, yeah, we don't want to leave that. We don't want to leave the 2% of the people out. Well, let me just say, I think Cortana is a lot more useful than Siri currently is. So, so I'm excited to see. That's where that's kind of where I'm coming from with this is I feel like Siri is is close to being kind of a complete thought, but there are still some little holes that Google and Cortana and Amazon have kind of filled in mm-hmm. already and I think that part of this in this event is going to be a more finished rounded out version of Siri. I know it's only four iPhones later, three iPhones later since they this would be the fourth I suppose because it came out with the 4S, right? 5 5S yeah. 6. Yeah, so four four iterations later and and we finally got to a point where maybe Siri is a complete thought. Wow. But look at look at Cortana. I mean, I don't know if you have a Windows phone. I, I don't. do. And uh, it is extremely useful. I can ask it questions into the future about different topics, and it'll answer me. Uh, Siri right now, unfortunately, is pretty useless. I find that the lady who recorded the Siri voice on Twitter is more helpful than the, the Siri on the iPhone. Wow. Um, I don't know. I, I guess, to me, I don't use the voice stuff enough. For things like I'm not using Siri usually to look things up. I'm usually using it for setting a timer or right. adding a calendar, or, you know, adding a reminder or an alarm or whatever. Um, and 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 lately I've tried to get into using Siri to play music, and that's where I think we're gonna see some Siri improvements, and specifically in the arena of your home entertainment system. And, and that's a perfect segue into. The new Apple TV should also be introduced September 9th, and that's probably where they'll be integrating Siri into more of like the Alexa platform. Exactly. Yeah, that would be that would be great. So you'll have this little puck that's always listening, and you'll say those magic words, and Siri will be off to the races for you doing whatever, playing a movie, you know, doing a playlist, activating your HomeKit tech. So exactly, there's well, a and- lot that you can do. We we know that Apple Music is coming to the Apple TV this fall. They told us that in June. Mm-hmm. So it, it would time out very well if Apple Music arrived on the Apple TV at the same time that Siri arrived on the Apple TV, and you could now ask your Apple TV to play music from the Apple TV, and it would just play it there. So it, it seems like you have some pieces that really line up and really point towards that. Um, but the uh, the alleged price of the the new Apple TV is what has me concerned because it seems a little steep. Well, if it's going to be adding Siri and any kind of tech that'll make it better, one forty nine is not too bad. 
Um, we have to look at how much people are paying for the Alexa hardware from Amazon, and I think that's pretty similar. I don't think it's too cheap from them. But it still seems like a lot. Like It seems like a lot compared to Roku or Fire TV. Exactly. And that's their competitor. That's their competition point. Sure, but you're not seeing a Roku run your home automation tech. It's true. I think a 149 would be more of an acceptable point than 199. 199 just seems just a little too high for what they're talking about anyway. Yeah, and and right right now for those not looking at this document in front of us, right now the, the speculation is between 149 and 199, somewhere in that realm. The reason that I have a hard time with it is the Apple TV for what a freaking eight years or something was 99 dollars. Right, and for what it offered, $99 seemed a little steep, especially towards the end of its life. And right when I got to the point where I was like, okay, $99 doesn't make sense anymore, they dropped the price to $69. I feel like they could keep an Apple TV at $69 that doesn't have some of this stuff and then also have an Apple TV that's $99, maybe $129 that has some of this added stuff. Well, they are supposed to keep the, the current Apple TV available at that $69 price point as an entry level. So... I feel like it it would make sense to at at most double that price because unless you're getting twice the product for it. Now, obviously I have no idea. There could be all kinds of other things inside of it. If if they if they include a a, a game controller as well as just a remote. Right, and it and it's a full-fledged like console type experience. Right. $200 doesn't sound bad cuz an Xbox is three hundred dollars or whatever i don't think there will be too much game opportunity with this device probably in a future version i'm thinking that uh you'll just get more access to your cloud material like your apple music and and your home kit integration and now this always on siri and maybe just maybe it might be like a they might merge your um time machine hardware or you know like a home wi-fi router technology as well so that would make more sense if you have home kit hardware that works on wi-fi that this would also be possibly your your home wi-fi router or like an airport express that can extend your network right right if it's going to act as a hub of some sort that's going to control a lot more it may be worth it I don't know. I still have a hard time it, unless it at $200 unless it starts to get into that at least an app store that allows some gaming or some type of apps on it. $200 just seems like too much. I had the original Apple TV, the one that was hard drive based. Mm-hmm. It was basically a Mac, basically a Mac mini without the OS X on it. And I got it for Christmas, but I think my ex-wife paid 249 for it or something like that. That's just absurd. And so, and I loved it, and I didn't give it up until it finally died, because you could hack it, you could do so many things with it. Uh, but so the $99 price point for the for the little black hockey puck didn't bother me so much. That was cheaper. So 149 it's still not crazy, although they're going to have to deliver an awful lot, especially since the latest reports are saying they are, they will have a new version of the software for the third generation that I have now they'll that will allow it to stream the TV service 
and give some of the other features that won't have Hey Siri. If and when um, that does come about. Yeah, if, if they do that, I might not be so apt to give up $149 for a new Apple TV. I might be willing to stick with my old one. Because to tell the truth, I don't use it that much anymore. I rent an occasional um, rent an occasional movie or I watch Netflix or Hulu on it. Yeah. So they're going to have to really come through with something for me to get up off anywhere from 150 to $200. Sure. All right. So one other thing related to the uh, impending announcement, and that is related to storage space on devices and something that I will cringe and kick and scream if it does come true. But according to BGR, Boy Genius Report, the iPhone 6S may still come with a 16 gig option for the uh, the built-in storage. And, and not, on, not only that, but a smaller battery to boot. I just don't, I don't see it. So what I can see is, okay, I understand smaller battery with the force touch technology. It's slightly thicker, so they have to pare down on the battery iOS 9 does a better job, hopefully, of battery. Now, I don't know if you've seen that in your beta versions on your phone. It's getting there. It's getting, it's getting better. And then, so 16 gigs of storage. is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but I can see that they want you to stream everything now, even the music that you own. So, you know, that was the big reason why people got bigger phones was to hold all their music and to be able to record video as well. So maybe they'll do a video streaming iDrive type service uh, with this new iOS 9 that we don't know about yet. So it records from your device to the cloud. It's almost like Periscope, but straight into your iCloud Drive account. Right, and then you can send that file to YouTube or download it uh, to your computer if you need to. Um, but I can see where we're moving everything into the cloud and then just have uh, iMovie there as well and then edit on your Apple Drive. So, so my issue with the 16 gig is is even simpler than that. It's not where can I store my music because Apple Music takes care of that. Yeah, I take videos and photos. iCloud Photo Library already kind of takes care of shaving down some space for that. My issue is that on a 16 gig device, and I'm going to use my iPad as an example of this because it's the only 16 gig device I have right now. My iPad, after installing just iOS 9 on it, no apps loaded, only comes out with like 11 gigs of storage. Wow. Because the OS and whatever that mm. all comes pre, you know, packed onto it. I load maybe 40 apps. Some of them are magazines. Some of them are you know, um, like Twitter client and Facebook and whatever. Some of, you know, nothing major with the exception of GarageBand, which weighs in at like 700 meg. Once I load those apps on it, I'm already down to like four gig left. That's not a lot of leftover space, especially if I'm going to download magazines mm -hmm. to read on it or books, or you want to put a movie on it for a, a plane ride. I just, I think we're to a point now where because the OS takes up a certain amount of space and apps take up a certain amount of space. It just doesn't seem acceptable anymore to have a 16 gig option. I think 32 needs to be the baseline. And obviously Apple doesn't care what I say. Yeah. 32 is the basement. Well, I always go back to what the other phone vendors are doing. And I'm yeah. seeing a lot of, uh, windows phones and inexpensive Android phones. 
that were four gigs up until a few months ago. So 16 is definitely premium if but, you're looking at the market overall. But don't most of those have a SD card option or a micro SD option? Right, right. You also can't compare the gas station Android phone, uh, and I, I assume track phone is really what I'm thinking of, but the, the cheap Android phone, you can't really compare that to an iPhone because those are totally different calibers of phone. You have to com- you have to look at the you know the LG G4 and the Samsung Galaxy S6 Plus Edge X9 or whatever <laughs> whatever that thing is called or the Note 5 you know those things or the Nexus 6 that I have lying around it's a 32 gig baseline you can't go lower than 32 gig so to me it, it makes sense 32 gig with in an era of HD video and 4K four, or 4K video high megapixel pictures apps, music, all of that, that it doesn't make sense to have a, a, a 16 gig as your bottom. Right. 32 is 32 is a minimum to be usable anymore. Yeah. Well, we've heard now two people say 16 gig packaging for the 6S. It just... So I'm like, wow. Wow, Apple. I, the only thing I can figure is that maybe they're going to, if they get rid of, say, the the C and they don't do a C, you know, a 6C, maybe they have a 16 gig 6S and then a 32 and then they actually cut the price of the new model down $100 at its cheapest point. So have the have the 16 gig for like the emerging markets. Exactly. So that that instead of having the, the C model be your $100 less phone, now you have the current flagship model but in a smaller storage capacity and po- and possibly feature limited somehow. There will always be people that will buy the smallest amount of storage just because it's cheapest. Exactly. They could say they have the latest phone, but it's a smaller storage. So if, if they could say I have a 6S, it's only 16 gig, but I only paid $100 for it with subsidized contract or whatever, or 549 for it instead of 649 or 749 or 849, you know, they're... They're they're going to look for that bargain. There's always the bargain shopper, and they're going to take the lowest storage. And if that's not the case, I'd like to see if they're going to make the 16 the bottom barrel option. I'd like to see a 32, and I'd like to see it not a hundred dollars more than the 16. But you know that's what they'll do. See, I don't feel like they can because with the six they went 1664, and it was only a hundred dollar jump. So you can't now put the 32 in there and slip it back in and make it $100. So you can only do like a $50 jump for the 32. Yeah, you've got a good point there. They've already established a price point. Oh, let's think maybe they'll get rid of the 32 and just go from 16 to 64. That's what they did with the 6. Because now you're you're looking at 4K video recording option, and uh, people are not going to want to have limits on how much they can record. As I know with my Motorola phone, you can only do a certain amount of minutes in 4K. Sure. So if Apple turns that part off and you can record through your entire available storage, a 64 base pro version of the 6S and the premium pricing would make more sense. Right. But but again, so you still have a 16 gig option that has access to 4K and can only shoot like 18 seconds of 4K before it <laughs> runs out of space or whatever it is. Like that when you combine those two things, it just doesn't make sense that the same device can do can have both of those. You can't have a 16 gig device that also shoots 4K because the size of 4K video. So somewhere in there, we're going to see one of those two things. 
the only way you cannot see, or the only way you could see both of those things is if Apple basically says, you know what, if you get a 16 gig device, 4K is disabled on your device. And that doesn't sound like something Apple would do. Did you hear this rumor about the future iPhone having a week-long battery life? This hydrogen cell battery? Yeah, you like that idea? If it happened, I would be more than okay with a multiple-day battery life. Yeah, I have no problem with extended battery life. Give it to me. I think that's going to be a problem. Uh, I tested a hydrogen battery, but the reaction that it makes is exothermic, so it gets very hot. And if you're making energy to use it, let's say on an airplane, it's not allowed for you to generate that electricity mm-hmm. while you're flying. Fire, fire hazard. Yeah, you can only generate it before or after the flight. So, well, so who's to say Apple couldn't have improved on this and found some other? I mean, I mean, realistically, I my guess is this is not a 6s thing. That they're they're not going to introduce this new battery technology. They're that's going to be eight or eight S or right. I mean, it's going to be down the road a little bit. Obviously, Apple's made some acquisitions. They bought Tesla engineers or battery engineers, whatever. So they're they're interested in battery tech. Don't get me wrong, but I I don't see that type of tech being consumer market popular to that to the level of iPhone yet, unless Apple has found a way to alleviate some of those headaches. Well, the reports I'd seen about hydrogen, uh, about the type of batteries Chris is talking about, were uh, another company anyway. And they said within, I think they mentioned by 2016, they would have something you could plug into the lightning port and it would be able to power it. So more like a battery case. Yeah, kind of a, yeah, yeah, battery case or, or a little thing that would pop in on the bottom of your of your phone. Sure. So and, and so that would help with the heat, but it it wouldn't help with what Chris is talking about as far as being on an airplane because they're going to be strict about that for quite a while. Yeah. Well, I hope they're wrong with the minimum 16 gig storage. Me too. But uh I like your idea of having that as the base model and get rid of the C product. Yeah. If if they can drop the price of it by 100 bucks and introduce that as the base model. I think people would be just as happy. And it also takes care of that issue. Everybody's saying, oh, well, there's not going to be any uh, any C model. Well, that, that would explain why we're not seeing a C model. And then they could drop the 5S down to free. And, and know, it would make whole... sense then that they could anodize color different iPhones as well. Yep. So it kind of fits all of the requirements of that invite. Checks all the boxes. Yep. Within a week, we'll know. Right. So. I think I think we should record next Tuesday. No, wait a minute. Where it was Wednesday's the Wednesday's the, the event. Yeah, so we won't be able to do that, but uh, it's going to be fun to see. We could do a bonus episode. Ooh, bonus! Ding 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 ding. We can get all the brains involved. So the the last topic that I wanted to cover, and we'll try to make it short because I feel like we're getting a little long on the show. Um, is is social media, and I, I mainly wanted to touch on on social media and the social networks we use and why. Uh, because Mr. Chris Roshnot just received a Top 50 Social Media Influencer of 2015 award. Bravo, sir. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and that's actually from the Chicago-based, is it Cision? I think it's Cision or Cision. We'll go with Cision. Yeah. That's what we're going to call them. Both are perfectly acceptable. Um, 
at so congratulations to you on being a social media influencer thank you you have influenced me on social media at least once to respond to your tweets perfect i find myself retweeting him multiple times a week if not a day yes thank you so much um so so with that let's let's quickly run down the social networks we use and you don't have to list them all because i know like there's like a gajillion social networks that we all have accounts for uh Maybe like your top three and why. So Twitter, obviously, Facebook, because billions of people are on it. All at once, or all in one day, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and YouTube. So really? the whole Google architecture. So you, you, you put YouTube higher than Instagram? I would. Wow, that's impressive. For me, it's, it's Twitter, uh, closely followed by Twitter. No, wait, no, that's not right. It's Twitter, and then Twitter, and then there's Twitter. Yeah. No, I do... Uh, I do Twitter, I do Facebook, and I really don't use any other social network all that much, so I'm going to go with Instagram because it made my home screen before anything else did, although I have been tinkering with Reddit lately. I don't know if that counts as a social network. Of course. Yeah, sure. So, somewhere in there, uh, but for me, it's really just Facebook and Twitter. And So, the it, reason why I say YouTube is so important uh, so if you look at search engine rankings, Google's obviously number one, but then you have YouTube as its own search engine, and it's oh. more popular than Twitter, it's more popular than Instagram, but uh, Facebook's finally getting in on that bandwagon, and uh, they've fixed the search function in Instagram just recently, so they're they're going forward there. And uh, you might see a conversion of, of product in the future, uh, nice. as far as search goes between Facebook and Instagram. But for right now, it's uh, it's still separate networks. I love Instagram, by the way, but it's just not my top three. Mr. Hauk? Well, of course, Twitter. I mean, most of my social networkings for, for MacTrust, uh, as far as for MacTrust, Twitter, of course, Facebook, those are the top two we always post to. We've started posting to Tumblr. Haven't seen much reaction from that. Um, as far as personal use, Tumblr, I like to just, it's just amazing what you find there. It's so weird. And it kind of reminds me of the old Wild West days. Because you just post whatever and it just happens. Yeah, I mean, you go from a Disney photo or, you know, a Disney-based uh, post to God knows what's going to be on the next thing when you scroll up. <laughs> Uh, we'll leave it at that. But um, Instagram, we get some good reaction when I remember to post. A lot of, of, lot of Instagram posts we do for MacTrust. I've got the MacTrust account on my phone. I don't think I even have a personal Instagram account. Uh, I just post weird shit I see when I'm out and about on a Saturday or Sunday. That gets better reaction than anything we do computer-related. Of course. Which is kind of odd. But... Uh, so, yeah, it would have to be Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram would be the top three, at least, uh, as far as trying to get word out for the, for the articles and stuff we do. Okay. So, one question that I get asked a lot is, what, how do I use Facebook and Twitter differently? And I think having uh, you, Mr. Rush, not on the show, uh, you might be able to shed some light, and I, I'm sure you probably are very similar to me on how you use these. Um. But like I said, I've had people ask, like, 
aren't they the same? How, why don't you just why don't you just use one? Why do you need both? So, what is your re- like your separation between Facebook and Twitter? Because I assume you post different things in both places and have different people on the two things. I do, and that's a big reason that I have both. Uh, Twitter is my public profile, and Facebook's my private profile. Uh, but I also have a business page, and I also administer business pages on Facebook. I like the way that Facebook presents my photos better than Instagram, you know, three days ago did. And Instagram was just square photos. Right. Facebook did it wide if you wanted to. Um, tall. Right, and tall if you wanted to as well, and it would show you the whole picture. Um, about three months ago, Twitter started showing the image in line on your home column, uh, which is great. They took that idea from Facebook. So all the really good features are on Facebook, and now Twitter is finally adopting them, which is fantastic. Sure. Um, but I do have different people, and uh, so one's personal, one's public. There are some cross-posting opportunities, and I do take advantage of that on sure. occasion. Um, and for me, it's the same thing. Facebook is family, is is friends from high school and college. Twitter is the rest of the world and anyone out in the public domain and a few select people from the public domain who have made their way into being my friends, uh, like Mr. Hauk and, and Mr. Koonsler, who's not with us this week, um, who, who have snuck their way into my Facebook friend list. But But for the most part, it is very much a Twitter is my here's my thoughts that I want to throw into the world that I know my parents don't care about or my grandparents don't care about <laughs> and then on Facebook it's here's all the things that I did with my wife this weekend when we went to do you know our adventure downtown or we went to a concert or whatever it is that they can see and they can get happy about and occasionally like you said there's the chance to cross cross post things and say well here's a podcast I did that I want the world to know about but I want my parents to be proud of the fact that they spent money on college, and I'm using some of that education now. <laughs> well, my uh, my mother doesn't have any social network uh, profile, so she definitely goes through my Twitter feed on a daily basis, and I'll get uh, her tweets from text messages about things, so it's fun. And then sometimes I'll get a recap email of the week of what she liked the best. So something of the week? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's time for that. And uh, since... You, Mr. Roshan, have the longest list of things. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. I assume some of these are going to be included in that long article you're going to post on MacDress very soon. Oh, you know it. All right. Good man. Good man. So, uh, yeah, I'll let you start, and you can give us the rundown on all your storage solutions. Sure. First, I should uh, mention a quick disclosure. I was sent these products for review. Uh, no compensation for any of the companies. Uh, mentioned here in uh, with these products. So the first one is Otherworld Computing's Envoy Pro Mini. It's a 240 gigabyte SSD USB 3.0 memory stick. Holy crap! Formed out of aluminum, and it's shaped to fit in the USB port of the MacBook Air. So since it's so thin, you try to plug in a normal uh, memory stick, and it will stick out the side and sort of jack up the computer on one side. Well, this is designed in such a way where it will not do that. And 
240 gigs is a ton of space. So that will be in the upcoming review. Excellent. Honorable mentions, uh, a hard drive from Western Digital. It's a one terabyte drive, and it's bus powered, so you don't have to carry around a cable to connect your computer and a power cable. It's one cable that does it all. So that's pretty cool. And last but certainly not least is Fuse Chickens Titan Loop. It's a great name for a company. I saw it and I said, well, I definitely have to try this out. This is a great name. But the Titan Loop serves a purpose to not have you buy Apple cables all the time. I noticed that Lyft and Uber drivers all have these frayed out broken cables. And if they just bought one of these Titan or Titan Loop cables, it has a lightning tip on the end. Uh, they don't fray or break that I've seen so far. Of course, there are production issues with some of the items, so you can easily get a replacement from Fuse Chicken, but uh, it's definitely the toughest cable I've ever used with a lightning tip. Cool. Very nice. It looks hardcore, like metal-wrapped and very, very nice. And I know, uh, Mr. Hauk, you had reviewed one a while back that was also very tough. Yeah, um, I can't for the life of me think of the name of it. That's all right. Which, which I'm sure the company will love that. When we find the name of it, we'll have a link in the show notes. We will stick it in the show notes. I will go looking for it later. Um, but yeah, you want to tell us about your uh, your choice of the week? Oh, sure. You know, there are some of us that can't afford or just simply won't buy an Apple Watch to remind us to stand up every hour. So there's a nice little app called Stand. And we're going to include the link to the article about it in the show notes. It's a pay-whatever-you-want app. Uh, you can pay anywhere from a dollar on up, however much you think it's worth. One million dollars. One million dollars. We make that much from the Starbucks franchise, sir. But uh, what it does is uh, every hour it simply reminds you with a little prompt on the screen of your Mac to stand up. And I've actually had it, uh, I can't remember if I mentioned it on a previous podcast or not, but I've had it running for at least a month. And it actually gets my dead ass out of my chair at least every other hour. Uh, to get up and walk around a little bit. Uh, usually I spend... Have another beer. Yeah, get another beer, Get uh, you know, check the whiskey level in the bottles, things like that. The important things in life. Uh, but uh, it actually has helped me get up and uh, get around a little more than I normally would. And I've actually lost a few pounds. I don't know if that's simply from a diet change or actually from the app. But what the hell, let's say it's the app. There you go. So as I said... Anywhere from a dollar on up, you can pay what you want. Uh, it's a great little app. doesn't take up any space. Uh, only pops up every hour. And uh, what the hell, it might get you up and around for at least once or twice more an hour, every day. Very nice. So, so totally just coining off the uh, the Apple Watch stand reminder using that same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically the same thing every hour. Just, hey, stand up. The, the only drawback is that if you do stand up during the hour, it doesn't know that. That's true. Whereas the watch does pick up on that. So then it's actually better because you get more activity. Bonus. Bonus standings. For your dollar. There you go. And if you have an Apple Watch on, you pull double duty. You may never sit down again. That's true. Well, that's not true. Because uh, my something of the week is a perfect excuse to take off your Apple Watch and sit down. Ah. And it is the uh, Pad and Quill luxury pocket apple watch stand uh 
This was a, a product I was sent by the lovely folks up at Pat and Quill. And great people, by the way, give them money. Fantastic people. They they make fantastic products. If you are into uh, wood and leather and classic materials, uh, th- all of their products are fantastic. They are they are very much traditionalists in in things and the uh, and it's it's it is a true mom and pop operation. It is. Um, so the uh, the stand is really cool. It it folds up. Uh, so you can take it with you. It's a little wood stand. Uh, your cable feeds just kind of over the top of it and down a little chase on the back and out the back of it. And it comes with a little leather pouch that you get to put it in. Uh, but it's super nice looking. Uh, it's Whether you have a super modern nightstand or a classic nightstand or you just have this in your, your bag to take with you, uh, it looks great. And your Apple Watch actually has a little channel that it can slide into. So it sits really nicely on the stand. Uh, but one thing that I really like about it that I haven't found in a lot of other stands right now is that you can actually turn your watch sideways, which on watch OS two puts it into nightstand mode. So you get like a, a more of like an alarm clock display. And this actually will accommodate that between the magnet and the angle that it sits at. So you can utilize your watch in nightstand mode while using a, uh, a nice stand instead of just setting it on the, the nightstand. So, I really like it. It uh, starts at uh, $79, and it goes up to like 119 I believe, depending on the wood choice. Um, what kind of wood choice did you pick? Uh, I got the... Oh, I don't remember what it is called now. They have cherry... Sapel S- and walnut. walnut, and I got the Sapel. Oh, that's nice. And it is, it is a, a fantastic product. Um, starts at 79, goes up to 109. And the other cool thing about this and all of their products is they are all handmade uh, by, I assume, gremlins in Minneapolis uh, or something. My people there in Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. So it's it's cool. They're, they make great products. They're super nice. Uh, it like Chris said, it is is definitely a mom and pop shop. It is literally a husband and wife that do their uh, their blog is interesting to and read. It, it's and and they're just nice people in general. So they are they're great people, great people. I appreciate them sending the uh, the stand. And my review is over at mactrust dot com. And the uh, the stand, like I said, seventy nine bucks up to one ten, and definitely definitely worth it if you're into that classic look. And I mean, you spent you know. Three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars on an Apple Watch. Get something nice for it. Sweet. Now, does it come with extra charging hardware? It, no, you 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 do have to use the charger that came with your watch, or you know, you buy an extra one. Okay. Uh, but because right now Apple hasn't released the official, or is just starting to release the official magnetic charging adapter things, right now pretty much every stand on the market requires you to use an Apple cable fed through it so um but even at that it that was the only thing that bothered me about it was that i had to feed the cable through and it didn't bother me that much sure so uh, like i said well worth the money and a very nice stand so anything else exciting before we uh wrap this up well just that post that's coming it's got uh 23 items for back to school or if you're not going back to school just general there's tons of great stuff coming to MacDress.com. Perfect. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Can't wait to see that. And with that, uh, all of our listeners can find the show notes for the episode at magnificentpodcast.com slash 17. Uh, once Chris gets his massive back-to-school write-up out, I'll also throw a link to that at the bottom. Uh, so you can find that there as well. Uh, if you have questions that you want us to answer on the show in the future, tweet us at MagnificentFM or with the hashtag AskMagnificent. And if you feel so inclined, you can also leave us a rating review on iTunes. It helps people find the show and tells us you care. With that, uh, Chris can be found. <laughs> Damn. Mr. Hout <laughs> can be found on the Twitters at CLHout and posting stories at MacTrass.com. Mr. Roshnot can be found on Twitter and on Instagram at 24K. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, sir. And posting stories all over the interwebs. MacTrass.com, Huffington Post, The Mac Wizard, um, and links to some of his stuff also in the show notes. And with that, thank you two for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We will catch you all next week. A pair of Chris's beats a pair of aces anytime. <laughs>